What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. The New York Giants overcame a 20 to nothing halftime deficit to top the Arizona Cardinals 31-28. We're breaking down the victory coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, P Train, and I'm joined by former NFL scout David Turner. And we have a victory Monday podcast for you, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. The New York Giants, after starting their week two game against the Arizona Cardinals in the hole, 20 to nothing, and having us all think, oh my God, here we go again. Continuation of Dallas. The Giants come back, they outscore the Cardinals in the second half, um, 31 to 8. And they end up with a 31-28 victory in what was probably a, a tale of two, two games, uh, two halves, really. So, so David was at the game, actually, out there. Had a great time, I'm sure. First off, David, welcome back from the game. I can tell you had a great time. And uh, looking forward to, as always, talking to you about it. Oh, absolutely. And I'll say this. Big Blue was represented huge out here. There were times in the uh, Cardinals' nest that it was deafening for the uh, Cardinals' offense. The Big Blue was able to come out, represent, and get it done when it came to uh, neutralizing a home field advantage for the Cardinals. So I will say this. That was a fun part of it. We really had a good time together. Uh, a lot of Giants fans out here, and it was it was awesome to see. I'll, I'll be posting on my social media some pictures I have with some of the other Giants fans and stuff. It was great. Awesome. Awesome. All right, David, we got a lot to talk about. Let's start off. We got to start off with um, the offensive line because that was a big story coming into this game. Andrew Thomas unable to go because of that hamstring injury. The Giants also decided to bench Mark Lewinsky, um, the right guard in favor of Marcus McKethan. Over at left tackle, Joshua Azudu got the start over uh, your favorite guy, who I, I know I can't say his name, but name uh, shall be nameless, nameless, number seventy-four. Yeah, I know. I know you don't care for him, but um, overall, what did you think of that offensive line configuration and how they played? All in all, for the first three quarters, they were very good. I'm not going to lie; they held up very well. I think the offensive play calling helped a bunch because they played a lot of six man, like 12 personnel 
They did a lot of 11. Um, they blocked with uh, six and sometimes seven. So they realized their limitations. I think they really m motored back from last week and and worked uh, within their um, within their limitations this week with it. Um, I was very impressed with what they did as far as protection wise and helping the different tackles and everybody out. So um, I thought for if you watch the tape and you really get intimate with it, you'll see a very good blocked up offensive line for the most part. Right. And the Cardinals defense, not quite on the same level as, as the Cowboys, but they can be pretty good as they showed last week. They had the second most sacks, I think, in the league. You know, let, let's talk about. They keep coming. They, 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 those, those folks, I was very impressed with the Cardinals defense today. They kept coming and coming and coming. They would bring six at a time. They would, they weren't letting off the gas pedal with the blitzing and everything. So, I mean, this was a very, understand, this was a very aggressive defense we went up against today. And they were like stacked the line to stop the run early on. And, you know, it obviously neutralized a lot of what we were trying to do in the first half. But the offensive line itself, it held up pretty well. Mm. Definitely uh, a lot better. And then, of course, they lost Ben Bredesen to a concussion. Um, and they had to put Glowinski back in. But, you know, what's that? Like, I felt bad for him being at the game. I saw him. He was on the ground. And then yeah. he came up. And then he <laughs> – he wavered and and then fell back down. I really yeah, was concerned for his. Yeah, I was really concerned yeah. for his well-being. Yeah, the four gate four days and for the, until the next game. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about injuries uh, coming up. But let's talk about the run game. The Giants finishing with 127 yards on the ground, 27 carries. Saquon Barkley leading the way, 63 yards on 17 carries. There was a stat that I posted last week in which the Giants were 2-10 and 10 on, in games when Barkley has fewer than 15 carries. He got 17 he, uh, amongst his carries. He had a rushing touchdown. Daniel Jones had a rushing touchdown. What was the difference for you that you could see in the running game? You know, was it just strictly the blocking or just how they were designing the runs? I think it was the personnel groupings in which they were running out of that really opened it up. But I will say this, being at the game, Barkley is hesitant in the holes. And this is what kept him from a 100-yard game. So I was watching the game live, which I haven't done in a while with the Giants, right? So a lot of my reactions are from TV versions. Watching him this week and breaking the film down last week, like I did for us, you know, like you and I talked and I broke down the film for us, um, getting more intimately involved in this, he's being hesitant. He's not trusting the offensive line and hitting the holes like he did last year. Last year he hit the holes at full speed, but there were three times today where there were cutback lanes wide open for him that he needed to hit, and he did not put his foot in the ground, make the cut, and trust that the line was going to be there, that hole was going to be there. Um, so I think the offensive line, while they blocked better today, that the trust factor is a big deal for both him and Daniel Jones. I'll get into that when we talk about the pass game. But for, for Barkley, watching him live today, 
he did not trust the offensive line would have that cutback lane open for him. And there were about three runs where when he didn't put his foot on the ground, he lost yards for us. Um, and that's a big concern of mine because for me last year, Barkley was hitting holes and seeing the holes develop uh, full speed. And he really had a great year with that. Um, the two years ago, he struggled and he was more hesitant. And we saw what that did for Barkley. It was a lot. It was a lot more struggle for us as an offense. Um, but if he can't put his foot in the ground, make that cutback lane, and trust the hole is going to be there, it's going to be a very long season for us. Well, I mean, Barkley now, of course, dealing with the ankle injury that he suffered at the end of the game. Now, initial reports, according to Jordan Schultz, NFL insider, instead it's the X-rays came back negative. But he's going to need an MRI, and there's some concern that uh, it might be a high ankle sprain, which if it is, he could miss a few weeks. Now, I would be surprised if he is ready to go Thursday night when they they head out to San Francisco to face the 49ers. I don't think he'll be ready on that quick of a turnaround, certainly not with how he was limping and, you know, just, you know, with the big ice pack and stuff like that. But uh, Barkley, a potentially big loss to this team as they get ready for week three on a short turnaround to face the San Francisco 49ers. All right, David, I want to talk about the passing game now. Uh, you mentioned Barkley not trusting the offensive line, and you insinuated that Jones didn't maybe have full trust of that offensive line. What did you see to make you think that? Not only did I see Daniel not trusting the offensive line, he's not comfortable with the play calling. Um, and I can say that full-chested because – Watching the tape last week, he didn't understand a lot of concepts that were trying to happen, with the, especially with the trips formation that they were running, especially when it goes trip to the boundary or trip it trips in general. He wasn't getting the concepts, and so he was misreading the throws. Today, a lot of the trips concepts that they were running are very good concepts. Don't get me wrong. I like what I'm seeing out of the concepts. The concept today was like, I got it. And breaking down the film last week, I got what Kafka and Dable are trying to do. Daniel doesn't trust the offensive line to hold that extra second and that concept to actually break open. Because when you have trips and they're going vertical, you got to give it a second to break open because they're all going to get to different levels. You just got to give him a second to do it. And Daniel, by the time he's hitting his back foot, the receivers aren't breaking. They need an extra half second to break. And then, boom, they're open. And here's the here's a, here's a point of emphasis is when you're looking at the late fourth, um, third down, when Daniel Jones, remember, in the fourth quarter, Daniel Jones scrambled and ran it in for a touchdown. Then they got a hold call on um, Neal. There was uh, – Bellinger was wide open in the end zone, in the corner, because the trips pressed, and then all of a sudden they broke open. Bellinger was wide open in the back of the end zone. He did not pull the trigger because he did not understand or trust the concept. So then he scrambled, and when he scrambled, Neil got the holding call because Neil thought he was still in the backfield. So when he came inside and the rusher went inside, he held him. If he would have just pulled the trigger and thrown it to Bellinger, it was wide open. I mean, he was sitting there with his grandma and a cup of tea. I'm telling you, it, nobody was around him. So it was just a situation where that's just one example today 
but there are a few where Daniel Jones did not pull the trigger when he could have, and that's just showing that he's not comfortable with the play calling. So for me, in my history, what I've always done in these situations is make sure the coaches are talking to the quarterback with what are they comfortable calling and what are they comfortable not calling because in this situation, there was a lot the quarterback wasn't comfortable throwing when they were calling it. All right, David, I want to hope, uh, I want to come back to the, the coaching and the play calling. Uh, just going to take a quick commercial break, but uh, I, want to, I want to mention something that I saw uh, over the course of the game. So Gi- Giant fans, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, right? So that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I myself have used LinkedIn Jobs to find aspiring writers for Giants Country, the site I run over on SI's Fan Nation. And the process is not only super easy, but a big time saver. Simply add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads. Put LinkedIn Jobs to work for you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to Locked On Giants. We are talking about a Giants win, the first win of 2023. But, David, I want to pick up where we left off at the end of the last segment about the play calling. Now, I noticed, and I don't recall ever seeing this before, so maybe, or maybe I've just missed it, but I saw Brian Dable with a play call card in his hand. And after the game, Dable was asked if he called plays in the second half of the game. And he said, no, he didn't. And, you know, then he was asked something to the effect about communicating with uh, with Kafka and did he have an influence and, what, and whatnot. But did you sense that maybe there was a shift involved there? Because Dable, you know, let's face it, he's not going to come right out and say, yeah, I took over the play calling because Mike wasn't getting it done. He's not going to do that to Kafka. But did you sense that maybe he was a little bit more involved in the offensive play calling in that second half? when the offense started to look a little bit more cohesive? Let's just put it this way. In the first half, it went three dry, or three plays in punt, five plays in punt, three plays in punt, ten plays interception. The second half went three plays touchdown, 12 plays touchdown, 13 plays touchdown, six plays touchdown, and eight plays field goal. So you make the decision. I will say this. The offense looked a lot more in tune in the second half, a lot more in rhythm. I still was frustrated with certain aspects of it in the first in the second half, but they were doing a whole lot better. Like I said in the last segment we just did, Daniel Jones does not look comfortable with all the play calling that's going down and going on. But in the second half, he was getting it done. You know, this is a kid that, you know, I enjoy a lot watching him play football. But right now, he's not stepping into his throws. He's stepping sideways. He's not following through. He He's he's questioning before he throws, and, it, and that's a big problem. It really is a big problem because the pass rush is now the getting to him because he's taking an extra half beat 
or he's getting moved off his spot because he's taking that extra half beat and that rush is getting to him. I mean, let's just be honest, Daniel Jones was 26 for 37, and I was at the game. He probably could have been 30 for 37. You know, four more completions, and the people are like, oh, that's only four more. Honestly, those would have been big completions. Watch the big long balls that he missed today. If he would have pulled those triggers just a half second earlier, he either undershot or overshot uh, receivers because rushers were getting to him. So it's a situation where you got to pull that trigger just a half second earlier, and boom, it's a long completion. It's an explosive play, and you become a lot more, like, effective in your play calling and everything else. So, you know, I know he had 321 yards and two touchdowns. The one interception, really not his fault. Bounced off Barkley, and they caught it. So, I mean, what it is what it is. It's going on his spreadsheet, but it really wasn't his, his bad, right? Um, when I saw the second half, especially that first drive of the second half, it was bang, bang, bang. My issue with the second half is Waller was out on a lot of second downs, when it seemed like they were trying to rest him on second down to get him back involved on third down. I don't think he's 100% healthy and going into a short week. I'm questioning what he's going to be able to do in San Francisco. If they're always having to rest him, one out of the three downs they need him for, especially in the even in the second half, they were resting him on second down. So I was kind of concerned about that. Um I was really making some notes about that in the game because I was like, this is a guy that we're counting on, and he's a huge mismatch difference. He needs to be able to be on the field three downs in a row. We need to go 12 personnel a lot more um, with him on the field. He's such a mismatch. But if he's not healthy and they're resting him on those second downs, it's going to put some undue pressure on the rest of the offense. And and that also it, it gets exacerbated because if – Barkley, which again, I don't know if it's a high ankle sprain or whatever it is. If he can't go this week and they're staying out here on the West Coast for that short week and on the Thursday night football game, um, let's just assume Barkley's not going and now Waller's on a pitch count. I mean, what's that going to do to our receiver core, our offensive line, everything else? Yeah, that is a concern for sure. And they are staying out there on the West Coast. They're going to stay in Arizona. Until Wednesday, and I think that's when they we got some beautiful weather coming. We got some beautiful weather coming. So I've heard. So I've heard. But uh, before we get off the offense, David, I just want to revisit what they did differently in the second half with the play calling that made Daniel Jones appear so much more comfortable. I'm not going to say that he seemed like the first drive. It seemed like they talked to him or something because it was bang, 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 done, right? Bang, 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 done. The penalties really are hurting us, in my opinion. The holdings, the offensive false starts, um, you know, it's really hurt. Even on the fourth quarter, um, when Daniel Jones scrambled and got that first that, that touchdown, we had a hold. And, again, I went back to it and I said, you know, we could pull the trigger. It was on Daniel. We could have pulled the trigger and got a touchdown. But then we got a false start in the next. And so, you know, the penalties – are our Achilles heel right now. We need to definitely tone them down, especially in the next two games. And we got, we got the Niners coming up and then we have Seattle after that. And these are teams that are extremely competitive 
extremely tough teams and giving them penalty yards or giving them uh, long fields with our offense false starting is just it's it's, it's poisoning ourselves. So when you ask about Daniel Jones looking more comfortable in the second half, he scrambled a lot. He picked up yards. I wouldn't say he was absolutely comfortable in the second half. I think he was more effective because he ran the ball when he wanted to pull it down. He had Waller for some touchdown or for some tough catches. I think Hodgins and them caught some balls that were, you know, weren't really the best thrown, but yet he trusted them and he just put them out there and they got them for him. Um, this is an offense that's very much, to, in my opinion, watching it live and breaking the tape down from last week, out of tune, out of sync, and they need to sit down, they need to take a breath, and they need to figure out what's the best 12 to 15 plays, make sure those are on the play card for the quarterback to be comfortable, and then, as always, you're going to have 40 to 50, 60 plays, but those 12 to 15 plays need to be your go-tos for your quarterback to be comfortable when you're running um, running them. And, again, I, when we get into defense, I can talk about what they struggled with, and I saw Dable in the second – okay, Kafka or Dable, whoever called it. <laughs> in the second half, call the same play that our defense struggled with, and boom, we got a, a 20-yard pickup. Like, it was – it was like, gosh dang! I told, I turned to my uncle. I went to my game, the game with my uncle, and I said, "It's about time they figured that play out and just ran it because our defense has struggled with it for the for whole first half." You know, <laughs> so. All right. So on that note, we will talk about the defense, but let's take our final break here, folks. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry, and best of all, you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday price picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL. And that promo code is NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, Giant fans, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. You got P-Train, Patricia Trena, with David Turner, former NFL scout, and we're breaking down the New York Giants 31-28 to thrilling comeback victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Up next, of course, for the Giants, 
the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night. But, David, let's talk about the Giants' defense. I felt like for the first half of the game, the defense was asleep. I didn't see much from the front seven. Now, I don't know, was it the play calling? Was it what Arizona was doing? I mean, what did you see from the defense in the first half that they just seemed so quiet? I mean, the run defense in particular, you know, they were getting gashed. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about the run defense for two years now. Or more, or more, or more. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, the run defense, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I play fantasy football. I put James Conner in today, and guess what? I made money. So that's the way it happens because, you know, it's just the way it goes. You ran for 103 yards or whatever it was. I mean, our leading tackler was the safety in Pinnock. So, I mean, the kid had 10 tackles, I think three assists, um, combination of 13 tackles today. Uh, three tackles for loss. So, you know, it's a situation where when your safety like that is leading you in tackles, it's not a good day. Not at all. And we can't talk about we I'm honestly I'm done talking about how much excited I am about our front seven when they don't show up to play like this. And when 55 is, you know, getting pinned inside by receivers or, you know, Zach Ertz, who's never in his 10-year career, whatever it is, been called a blocking tight end in my life. Um, and, you know, he's just not, you know, Ward's not fighting off the block. He's not separating. He's not punching and getting getting in the backfield. He's just accepting it, and it is what it is. So I'm I'm over it. I'm not, I honestly came into the season with excitement for our front seven. Um, I was extremely excited for everybody up there, but I'm over it now. It's just like I can't be excited for a team that doesn't have a testicle fortitude in order to, you know, man up and stop the run. Like, this is ridiculous. Set the edge and stop the run. This is not a physical team you went up against. This is not a team in which is going to outman you up front. It is not a team in which is looking to have 10 wins this year. They basically are the over-under on Arizona to have five wins, and they out-physicaled you. They out-punched you. James was James uh, Connor was breaking tackles left and right. So, you know, at the end of the day, I can't say we have a good front seven. I can't say that I'm excited about them anymore. I can't put any hope and dreams on them. Why? Because the play doesn't support that. And I'm not going to be ignorant to the fact the play doesn't support that. I They have the talent up front. But, I mean, did you, did you, did you even see – did you see 97? Did you see Lawrence at all today? I saw him on one rush. Yeah, towards the end, I did. One rush at the end. One rush. This was a game where he could have dominated the entire game. Him and Williams could have dominated the whole game. And they didn't. The play calling wasn't special by Arizona. They were running a lot of deep overs, asking the you know line to hold up. Give them time that, you know, Zach Ertz and people were coming over on the, you know, deep over routes and they were completing them on the sidelines early in the game. And then late in the game when, you know, we decided to, you know, make a decision to stop the over route, they just sat them down in the middle of the field and they were getting completions in the middle of the field. I mean, they, it wasn't a hard thing. I'm sitting up, I was in the stands losing my mind and, you know, BPG about it with that. That my uncle was just like, holy smokes, like, stop. And I'm like, I can't. This is ridiculous. I can see it from up here. I'm calling the plays before the play starts and before the snap. And sure enough, here they come. This is what's happening. 
And I'm not even in the meetings. And I'm just seeing what's happening based on formations and what the first quarter looked like, right? So it was absolutely uh, it was offensive to me that our defense could not stop anything. And those deep crosses, those deep overs, that's not hard. Two man underneath, like let's go. Like just run two man with underneath. It, it, it's all stopped. Like that's done. You, you've put the plug in it. Blitz five, run two man. You're fine. Like, I don't get what's going on here. I don't understand. I've been with Wink, obviously, for many years. I don't know why he didn't switch to that as soon as they hit two of the overcrossers. Like, it, it made no sense to me. It really didn't. I, I was struggling so hard in the stands. Um, very hard. Very, very hard. So was it more the play calling, the execution, or just a combination? Honestly, it was a, an offensive. It was an atrocity of what the what a the play calling was from Wink, and b what the what the DBs weren't checking into. You know, it was it's like uh, guys in the first quarter they completed four. I'm sorry, in the first quarter they completed three crosses on me. You got to sink that backside corner into the cross. And then and then bring your outside safety up into the middle, you know, because if you if you do that, that cross is is absolutely destroyed. They weren't looking deep, they weren't looking to make any plays deep. They were just trying to pick up first downs, chop wood, keep your offense off the field, and pick it up and keep the play clock on their side. I mean, this isn't a stellar quarterback. This quarterback wasn't even on this team three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago now. Four weeks ago, this quarterback wasn't on the team. So they're making it as easy as pie for him to be successful. So I don't understand why this was hard to pick up. I really don't. I think people in our office were maybe in our office were just overthinking themselves a little bit. Um, you know, it's not a – this isn't a veteran coaching staff we're up against. This isn't a veteran quarterback we're up against as far as, like, in, involved in this team in several seasons with them and everything like that. This was a simple concept, and we were overthinking it. Interesting. And, and you know, also problem with the defense, some discipline-related penalties. You know, I, I thought the the uh, unsportsmanlike against McKinney, that one I thought was a little ticky-tack because I'm like, what is was he supposed to do there? Um, I think Bobby O'Karake got it, an unsportsmanlike, if I'm not mistaken. Um I, I want to say there was a grabby penalty on, on one of the DBs. I can't remember who it was, but some some flawed fundamentals um, by this defense, and particularly on that first Cardinal scoring drive that just made me say, my gosh, they're just playing so sloppy there, you know? Well, the, this offense, this officiating crew was terrible. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm not going to get penalized for it. I'm not going to get fined for saying it. This this officiating crew, where they they call stuff that was in favor for the Giants, and I looked at it and I was like, oh, that shouldn't have been called, <laughs> you know. So, you know, I'm I'm going to call it as I see it, man. And, and I'll just tell you, like this officiating crew was a mess. What they were calling on, honestly, some of the personal fouls both ways weren't personal fouls. They should have just been let let them play type calls. Um, you know, they weren't violent. They weren't like the – I don't know if you watched the Colorado game last night, but the Hunter, the Hunter, you know, hit on the sideline. That one should have been called. That kid should have been ejected. And 
and our plays weren't even weren't even close to that, and we're getting calls. Um, so, and that's both ways in this game. I think this officiating crew was extremely liberal with the flags um, today, and it, it made it hard for the players to play because they weren't really sure which way it was going to go. Yeah, I thought this officiating crew. I mean, there were a few penalties. I was like, mm, you know, I'm like, what are you looking at? But you know, if I criticize the officials, I have a former official who sometimes tunes in and he goes, "You don't know the rules." And I'm like, okay, but I, I, I know the rules, sir. I know the rules. Some so of the rules are, you know, I think I know the difference between holding and. Yeah. All right, Dave. I want to ask you real quick about special teams. Nothing <laughs> gross jumped out, but, but in the beginning, the first quarter, they failed to pin the the uh, Cardinals deep. Gillen's first punt went to the 14. The second punt, I believe, uh, and, and then on that ensuing drive, the Cardinals scored. Um, then the second punt, they got it to the 20, um, and that was a fair catch that they forced. And let's see, did the Cardinals score on that next drive? I think they did. Let me just check, double check here. Yes, they did. Okay. Um, then there was another one. Let me see. He was from, all right, that one. Okay, so that was from deep end. But the point being is, is when he was punting from midfield, the inability to pin the, the, the opposing team deep, I mean, is this something we should really start to be concerned about? Because, you know, we saw a little bit of it last week against Dallas where they, instead of pooch kicking it, they decided to go for it on fourth down. And I don't know if they were just doing it because they figured they were down. So what did they have to lose? But are you starting to get a little concerned with his kicking or am I just making too much of it? I think you're overreading it personally, but that's just me. I want to fire the, the special teams coach. You know that. But, you know, for me, Gilliam on those short fields really should roll out and do a rugby kick because that's what he's most comfortable with. Like, again, we talk about the quarterback. What are you most comfortable with? Let's run those 12 plays, right? In that short field, let him rugby kick it. Like, roll him, half roll to a, a, you know, kind of a hash mark. And then let him kick it, and boom! I guarantee you, he'll roll it down into the pylon. Like that's what he's comfortable with. That's what he loves to do. You play to his strengths. Like I, I, I can't stand coaches that are like, "We must win my way in order for us to win at all." No, like tailor the defense, the offense, the special teams to the strengths of the player that are in front of you. That's what Al Davis always taught me. Like, you know, we once had a receiver, Carlos Francis, who really wasn't a great route runner, but he could run deep all the time. He's like, well, didn't have him just run deep. Like, that's what his strength is. The kid never gets tired. Let him run deep. Like, you know, play to their strengths. Um, in this situation with uh, with Gillum, I would say the same thing. I think he's got a heck of a leg. When he is deep, he can change the field. That's awesome. Let him do that. But in these situations where you want him to pin somebody deep or you want him to pin inside the five-yard line or whatever from on shore fields, roll, half roll him and let him you know, rugby kick it and, and roll it out of bounds. I think he would be fantastic at that. I think that's a situation where it, when you watch him coming out, that was something that they let him do in college, and he was really good at it. Here's a situation where I think a coach is just trying to make him win his way so the coach looks smart 
And guess what, coach? You're not smart. Um, because if you were smart, you would let him do what he was doing in college and doing really well at and winning. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, I just look at special teams. And, not, and again, they didn't really cost a game, cost, you know, do anything that just made you sit there and go, oh, my God, you know, like like the week before. But I just don't feel like this unit is up there amongst the better teams, the better half of the teams in the league, you know? And maybe I'm no, being hard on them, but. No. I, I think this this special teams needs a shakeup. They need uh, off. They need somebody who can come in right away and put the hammer down on keeping their lanes, tackling, open field tackling, and then playing to the strength. Of, I mean, Graham Gano is Graham Gano, obviously. I mean, he's 12, 13, whatever year vet. I mean, you just can't – you're never going to shake him. I was with him in Carolina. I know him. He's just not – he doesn't – he's ice He's got ice water in his veins, right? Mm-hmm. But when you got a guy like Gilliam, I would – you know, I honestly, personally – let him rugby kip a little bit more, especially in those short yardage situations or shorter field situations, because that would go to his strength, and I think that would benefit the team. Okay, well, I mean that or get him a kick, a kicking coach, which I don't understand why they haven't done that yet. You know, I, I'm Unavailable. not sure. Not, I mean, Fields is still in New Jersey. Why not just hire him to to help him out? I don't know, but uh, I'm I'm very available. Absolutely. Okay. Well, all right. One more question. One more question for you. We're going to kind of spin ahead a little bit. I know you haven't, uh, you know, gotten into the 49er film, but just real quick, probably no Andrew Thomas. I'd be surprised if he plays. I'd be surprised if Saquon plays. You mentioned Waller appears to be on on a pitch count. How does this team beat the 49ers or do they beat the 49ers or at least stay competitive? I haven't watched the film from this week, so I don't know what um, the Rams did. It was a very interesting ending to the Rams Niner game today. I don't know if you saw it, but McVeigh elected at you know with four seconds to go, he kicked a field goal to end the game, uh, three points ahead there, and they still lost by seven. It was interesting. I don't understand why he did that. Vegas is not very happy with him on that, but <laughs> but uh, as far as like beating the Niners, they are hitting on a very much all cylinders it's going to be a very tall task it's going to be hard and even if we were fully healthy walking into them on a full on into their home field on a short week um it's going to be very hard they they are impressive um from Debo to Kittle obviously to um McCaffrey I mean they are just hitting and and again I'm missing on the other receiver that was out of Arizona State I'm missing but they they have like four-headed monster out there as far as offensive goes, and it's going to be very hard to to stop them. And then on defense, you got Bosa, Warner, and the rest of the crew coming after you. So I think it's going to be a very tall task for Thursday night. I don't see it breaking in our favor, being honest with you, and being and and hopefully again, hopefully we get out of there healthy. But Seattle is going to be a tough task too. I don't know if they're going home in between Niners and Seattle, but if they are, that's a long trip. Like, think about it, everybody. You got to fly out to Arizona, play here, stay here, play a Thursday night game, then fly all the way home, you know, stay and play and and hang out at home for a little bit, and then come all the way back out to Seattle, I believe. I think Seattle's a home game for the Giants, David. Hold on. I I think it's a Monday night game. Isn't it a home game? 
Or am I wrong? Oh, it's at the end. Okay, so therefore, yeah. Okay, so they'll go home. They'll have a nice long week, and then the and then on October second they'll play Seattle. So I was wrong on that. But it, Seattle's still a very tough team. They played strong today. You know, they went into a situation where they were missing both offensive tackles, and they won at you know Detroit Lions, I believe. So it's a situation where you know you got some very competitive teams coming up: Niners, um, Seahawks, Dolphins, Bills. I mean, it's 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 a murderous row for the next three four games. So, you know, for us, it's all going to be about health and ability to handle the adversity. Indeed, but you know, again, it's a start coming back the way they did. Um, we'll, we'll 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 take any little pebble of optimism, and you never know. After six quarters of scoreless football, we'll take whatever mm-hmm. we can get. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. But bottom line, the Giants win. So it is a happy Monday for everybody. Uh, will we have a happy Thursday? Well, we'll figure it out. We'll see what happens. David and I will be back uh, after the game or on Friday morning, probably. We'll, we'll break it down for you. Also on the Locked on Giants podcast coming up this week, we're going to have, obviously, Crossover Thursday. And we'll have some other shows uh, to fill in the rest of the week. Quick turnaround. Hope you will tune in to the Lock on Giants podcast. We appreciate you. Thank you for making us your first listener today or for watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. For David Turner, I'm Patricia Chater, Giant fans. We will see you tomorrow.